Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the work with me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vegan Business Talk. I'm your host, Katrina Fox, and I'm joined today by Carty Owens. Now, after a 20-year marketing, advertising, and software executive career, Carty exited her agency to start working in the mission-based space. While working as a vegan transition coach, she noticed the gap in in the alternative meat market and the need for deli slices. Carty met commercial banking executive Chaba Hetanyi during a work project as they were looking at commercializing a new food tech IP. Now, as she learned about the technology, Carty realized it could be used to make groundbreaking, sustainable plant-based meat alternatives. And in 2018, the pair co-founded Plantcraft. Hello, Carty. Welcome to the show. Hey, Katrina, thank you so much for fighting yourself through uh, all these Hungarian names. You do I know. I was thinking when we were on before, I asked you to get me to pronounce Chaba's first name and I forgot to ask how to pronounce his second name. So Chaba, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I messed up your name. Um, <laughs> but it's lovely to, to meet you. So you're now based, I believe, in New Zealand, Kati. You're originally from Hungary, but I believe you've been in New Zealand for uh, for 12 years. And through your digital age, Agencies and you've, you've had uh, quite a few. You've worked on dairy and cereal brands. Um, I'd love to, first of all, kick off. Tell me about some of the work you did in that digital space, like the type of work you did in those digital advertising and marketing agencies. Before I jump into that, I'd just like to squeeze in a big fat thank you to you, Katrina, for all the amazing work you do. I'm part of the Vegan um, Leadership Network and uh, the Vegan Women Leadership Network that you've uh, founded. And in the name of vegan entrepreneurs and vegan businesses and the animals, thank you so much for doing all the work you do. Thank you. That's so kind of you. (laughs) So, intermission. And um, to your question, some of the work that I did here, um, so you're you're in Australia right now, and you know New Zealand is pretty similar in terms of animal agriculture. So most of the marketing and advertising work here is obviously around that. So I was working for the big giant uh, Fonterra uh, through various agencies, doing a lot of work for yogurt yogurt brands and. And, and ice creams and even milk, you name it. So I was actually uh, on the dark side for a long time. 
but um, hopefully I've, I've taken some learning and some skills that uh, yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. What kind of work were you doing? Because, you know, when people think of advertising agencies or marketing agencies, they're not exactly quite kind of sure what that entails. So can you just kind of just take a little bit of a deep dive into the actual like the type of work you were doing? Um, yeah. Those- yeah. So I was I was um, in a small digital agencies. So, uh, two of those were my own agencies that I founded and or co-founded. And I was doing uh, digital marketing work back then when Facebook pages were huge. Then we were doing Facebook apps and and all the big campaigns, the, the shooting games and all the, the Christmas promotions and all the online stuff, all the digital stuff that, that you see around, like sign up to win, uh, shoot as many, I don't know, yogurt balls as you can to be in to win a, a super holiday and all of those digital advertising works that, that you can imagine. that are Right. There. So you're doing mainly paid advertising type stuff, like paid digital marketing and advertising. Um, yeah, or, or above the line uh, as well. So a lot of the, I was working with a lot of the big ad agencies and doing the digital part of their, their work. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. So why the change of career? This is a big change from running a, uh, you know, services based industry, you know, ad agencies, digital agencies to creating a product based alternative protein company. So why the why the shift? Well, you probably wouldn't have guessed, but I went vegan. Yeah. That was one of the one of the the triggers and one one of the um, pivotal moments for me. Um, I'm a new vegan. I've only changed at about seven years ago, coming up to eight uh, years now. And um, there comes a point when you when you try to align your work with with your beliefs, and you want to make sure that the kind of uh, the kind of industries because advertising is is really, really supporting something. So whatever you put advertising to or, or support it with, that's going to get stronger. So I realized that I can't keep, uh, you know, working for animal agriculture products because I can't promote them. I can't make them stronger. So uh, I changed, uh, I, I, I left my first, um, my first uh, agency and started my new agency, uh, which was more focused on software work and startup work, uh, which actually came out came pretty handy um, doing my my business right now. But um, I tried to do a, a vegan friendly consulting business, so we were running a vegan office. Uh, um, all the office supplies were vegan, so if we had a guest, then they got a rice latte, and if they we served them some chocolate, that was all vegan. And, you know, pizza nights, we only ordered vegan pizzas, but there is still that itch that kind of like, okay, I'm doing all of this around myself, but the work that I'm actually putting out is not making much of a difference. And even though I, I kept saying no to big um, companies like wool companies, uh, like upholstery companies that were all wool-based because we're in New Zealand, um, milk-based foods and all sort of supplements and all of that that needed advertising and came to us for work. And we had to keep saying no, 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 because of the ingredients that they were having. But even then, there was that kind of a lack, like something needs to, we, we need to put that energy into something that builds and makes a change. And then the biggest pivotal moment really for me was when I met uh, on a, on a, 
on an event, I've, I've seen uh, uh, Johan Rockström uh, speaking live. He's uh, one of the lead scientists at the Stockholm uh, Resilience Institute. And he basically said that we are scientists. We're trying to communicate to you guys that there is something really bad going on in the world. But we're scientists. We're really bad at communication. So, guys, please do something. If you are thinking about something, don't wait for it. Don't contemplate. Do it now. And that kind of hit it home for me. And, and I was like, okay. All right, let's let's do something. And so I started winding down my company, and um, and I didn't actually have anything lined up. Wow, you took the leap. I did. Wow. So how did it happen that you came to uh, create Plantcraft? I believe you met Chaba, who's a commercial banking executive. I love that you've got these very different backgrounds. Yeah, uh, he's, he's more of a yeah. He's a, he's a, he's been working for longest time in uh, in project financing, and he was working with big banks over uh, in in Hungary in, in Europe. Um, it was it was we were basically introduced to each other through a, a common acquaintance and. And um, Chaba had a had this uh, food IP that he acquired during one of the banking transactions uh, when he acquired a pasta factory, and uh, he knew that he he needs he he's a finance guy. He doesn't have the ability to build a brand, and he knew that that he might need to do a, a startup kind of setup, and because. I was introduced to them and I, I, I could bring some of an international perspective to the, to the business. I was requested to do a six-week uh, project with him um, just to look at the commercialization and the market uh, analysis and for the pasta, pasta product. And as I was looking into it and I, I was, I was uh, seeing all the other possibilities in it, I was telling them that, no, this isn't, this shouldn't be a pasta product. We need to make this and, and start, go back to the drawing board and go back and spend some more time and money on research and turn this into a meat product. So that's how, wow. that's how it all started. And at the end of that uh, eight-week uh, period, Chaba offered me the opportunity to, to co-found the company with him instead of just walking away after uh, giving him the Consulting. Wow! Wow! So, so you never know where your business partners, or potential business partners, are never. going to come from. It's like, wow, that's amazing. So, can you talk us through, Katty? What were some of the challenges? Or what have been some of the challenges? Because I know you've been running Plantcraft since 2018, and we're now 2021. What have been some of the the, the challenges from running a product based business compared with, say, a services based uh, business? And how have you handled those challenges? So one of one of, I was in software and digital, and one thing about digital is that it's it's fast. You think about something, you get good developers, you code it, and you can keep going. And even if you only have the small building blocks, you can you can start it, you can launch it. And an actual product is slow. It's much slower. Mm -hmm. It's it needs a lot of patience. Um, from from uh, R and D all the way to regulatory, especially in food, uh, and going down to the smallest details of packaging. Like if you if you ask my colleagues at, at the uh, design uh, department, it took us 
so long to to do all the little details that needs to go and all the thinking that needs to go into packaging it's it's quite amazing so time and patience that was one of the biggest uh biggest challenges for me uh in in this transition right gotcha gotcha now you you mentioned that obviously you know you've brought some skills and knowledge from your uh work in the digital agency and then you and chubba have also got very different experiences talk us through your roles your different roles in the business and how they complement one another yeah um honestly i think that if you have that entrepreneurial itch then whatever skills you have it's transferable if you're if you're a road worker then you know how to deal with pressure under monotonous circumstances. If you're early childhood educator, you have good human uh, interpersonal skills. So I'm just telling everyone out there who wants to start a business and they think they don't have interpersonal uh, transferable skills, yes, you do have them. And you can use anything that you have ever acquired. You can use that in a business. But... Of course, uh, having spent a lot of time in marketing and advertising kind of came in handy. And also um, for Chaba, uh, his financial skills came in handy. So um, he's been running that um, uh, pasta factory for, for over two years. He was a CEO of the pasta factory and that gave him great insight into production planning and uh, just uh, getting through the little tricky parts and challenging uh, challenges with commercialization and the factory setup and all those little uh, nuances that you wouldn't imagine. Uh, and of course, he's great with finances. So our our finance financial models are so great that our investors are drooling all over it. And and that also that is you know a um, couple of gray hairs come in handy because. Um, you know, we have that that sort of experience under our belt. We know how to put together a, a PL or a balance sheet or all of that. I think most importantly, strong finances is really important. We should be able to read our numbers as as if we were reading a storybook, because uh, that that will make or break the business and your your emotional state as well. So it, <laughs> it's it's very important to know where you're at when you're when you're running the business. And then um, sales and marketing are the, the other uh, huge pillar. And neither of us are good in sales. We are very um, uh, gracious and helpful and honest people. And uh, we would basically just give it to you because we love you. So um, to help with that, we have hired uh, a good sales director to support um it's also important to know where our um, weaknesses lay. So I think it's important when, when you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's important to know exactly where you stand and where you need help and stand strong in your own strong skill and then fill out the gaps and the voids when, when mm. you know you're not strong. Yeah, that's really good yeah. advice, really good advice. So in terms of the product, I believe you've been sort of developing it and you've only recently launched it. Or tell me where whereabouts is. So where are the products available? Is it online only? Are you in any stores? Is it international? Tell us a bit about where you're at at the moment. So uh, when we when we started developing the product two years ago, it was uh, basically a, a benchtop product that needed to be commercialized. So in the past two years, we've spent a lot of time on that, uh, getting the product ready to to actually 
be sellable and um, packaged up and have all the regulatory requirements that, that you need to go through before you put it on the shelves. And we have just recently uh, started getting ready for, for our launch. Um, we are focusing on the United States as our uh, first primary market, but we are planning to go global pretty soon after that. We are just uh, working on establishing the brand um, in the U.S. So our focus in our beachhead market is, is uh, currently um, uh, South California region. Uh, we are launching in uh, Los Angeles in an in a amazing little um, store, uh, supermarket chain called Everyone. Uh, we are just in the process of, of putting that up on our website. So we are going to be on the shelves from the 1st of uh, uh, May. And we also participate in an amazing program in Chicago uh, at a pop-up grocer. It's a, it's a small boutique uh, curated uh, product sampling uh, pop-up experience. And uh, it's really hip and cool. And we are going to be in that store from 1st of April, not from 30th of April to 30th of May. But we are currently building out our um, sales uh, as we speak. So if you really want to see where we are going to be available, I think it's best to, to follow us on social media or, or uh, our website. Uh, we are just in the process of putting up the store locator. For sure. So in terms of the, so the product availability, you're based in New Zealand and you're launching in the US. So how does that work in terms of like, where is it manufactured? How is it get, the, I'm just curious how that kind of works. Yeah, I think um, you should, you should, you should uh, get used to this sort of setup because I believe this is the future. I believe that we don't need to be physically planted somewhere running a huge apparatus and paying for accommodation and travel and, and air flights and all of that. I think this model that we are following right now will be much more uh, accepted and normalized in the, in the nearby future. And I think that it was already going that way before COVID, but COVID really solidified it. And, you know, us speaking like this and, and uh, Zoom meetings taking place, that's just going to be very normal. So currently we have our team, um, our R&D in uh, Hungary. Um, we have our um, R&D, uh, our own lab and some testing facilities in Hungary. Um, and some of the commercialization team and operation planning team are in Hungary. We do have two factories in Hungary that uh, that co-manufacture for us, uh, for the European region. But we also have an American, uh, like we have a very strong uh, sales and marketing team in, in, uh, in the United States. They are also working remotely. So even if we were, I was physically in the United States, I would still be working with them remotely. So it's, it's yeah. basically, it's just a little fun that every time we have a meeting this morning, I had a meeting with my US team and we, we greet each other saying, hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, because yes. you know we are yeah. all over the world. Of course. Um, so so yeah. do you have a co-packer in the US as well or are you yes, shipping? Yes, we do. Product? You do, yes, great. Yes, we do. Yeah. So you're keeping and it so, sustainable, yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's our model. That wherever we 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 plant uh, operation, we we start uh, working with co-packers. So hopefully, we are coming this this side of the earth uh, soon as well. And uh, when we are going to work on our Asian operation, then it's going to be pro- possibly uh, here or across the ditch. Right, because you're doing both retail and food service as well. You're doing retail and food service. Yes, we do. Uh, some of our products are really uh, great for for food service. So um, our first products are pate, which is uh, um, the original pate. It's not very well known in the United States, but we here in uh, anywhere in, in the European origin, UK, and here in New Zealand, Australia, we we love our pate. It's it's a it's a livery. Um, meaty spread that that we we can either slice or or uh, spread, and that's our first product um, that hits the shelves. And soon after, we have the uh, pepperoni coming out. And if you think about these products, it's uh, if you think of a pepperoni, it's mostly on a pizza, and uh, and that's that's some something that a uh, food service uh, will really appreciate because there is a huge demand for plant-based alternatives for for these deli meats. Nice, very good. I like you've identified it because obviously the plant-based protein space, you know, the alt protein space is big and it's growing and there's constant new innovations. I think it's good that you've identified a specific area to to focus in on i also think it's interesting that you know you launched the company in 2018 um but it's only really kind of now that you're going into launch so giving people a realistic idea of what it takes to to launch an actual product um and i don't typically interview startups on the show but i know because you had that 20-year history with running your own agencies and running your own business you're already an entrepreneur but i think it's interesting for people to know that um you know, it's not just a case you go very quickly. I mean, I suppose you can, but, you know, you've taken the time to really kind of refine it and, you know, spend time on the naming and the branding and the marketing and creating the actual product to get it out there. I have to mention COVID as well. So I was just about to ask, uh, that was my next question, yeah. is what the impact of so, COVID has had, yeah. Yeah, yeah so COVID uh, has really slowed down our procedures and especially in the um first of all there wasn't that first shock when everyone just stopped and and we didn't know who is going which direction uh, so that was that was really uh hard for for us when we were working on procurement and getting uh you know all of a sudden all these channels were closed and some of the some of the uh uh, so one of our one of our uh, key ingredients is is green banana, which is obviously sourced from warmer climates. And we had a big halt in the in the South American green banana supply because there was, uh, you know, due to harvesting practices and you know uh, social distancing, harvesting stopped and then drying stopped, and a lot of lot of those hiccups happened in the supply chain as well. But um, the biggest hit that we suffered was really uh, the loss of uh, events and trade shows and and uh, expos and that, that that used to be the normal uh, channel for new new brands to start working in the industry find finding partners finding buyers uh, finding collaborators and that all stopped and it took a while until until the industry actually woke up and and understood how to leverage uh, the digital 
tools and how to and a lot of uh, new um, online um, services started popping up and online buying platforms and even though it's not the same because you can't smell it and taste it but but it's it's now becoming the new norm and I think a lot of companies are saving a lot of money on that yes that's very true very true thank you for for sharing that what did you do during COVID then like were you building the brand like on social um what what you how you know because you weren't able to go to those trade shows and you know you you were doing online because I know like with some other brands they've they've spent that time kind of creating some excitement about the brand or building the social were you doing anything along those lines yeah our our uh, approach was a little bit different because we originally we wanted to move to like physically and personally move to the United States for the launch and when we realized that that's not going to be possible we we were a little bit worried that hey maybe we won't be able to launch this brand remotely so uh, I was stuck here in New Zealand and Chaba was stuck in Hungary and so Mm -hmm. we decided to use that time to actually build out our uh, operations and commercial planning in respectively in our own areas or regions which actually um, gave us a great advantage because that's when uh, Chopper built out um, operations uh, in uh, Europe. And I basically have the whole system ready to go here in uh, New Zealand, Australia, so the Pacific region. And um, and even though we didn't, we, we thought that would be plan B or plan C. And, and luckily, we didn't have to do that. We could continue with our original strategy and, and move into uh, production and commercialization in the United States without having to be there personally. But um, it gave us a real good um, advantage that we have two more regions ready to go like that. And yeah. um, it's going to be, it's going to make it much faster for us to to roll out the global brand. Why did you choose to launch in the US rather than launch in Australia or New Zealand or the Asia Pacific region? So uh, we were um, we were part of the Provege Incubator, which is a which is a plant based, uh, amazing plant based incubator in Europe. We actually, I actually moved there uh, two years ago to to live in Berlin for four months uh, while that program was going. It was amazing, and we were selected to to um, represent Provege on the Seeds and Chips, which is a part of. It's a huge, huge expo, part of Tutto Food Milan. And uh, we met a lot of American investors, industry players, uh, food scientists, and restaurateurs, uh, entrepreneurs. And they tasted our products. They saw our concept. And they basically told us that we can't afford not to go to the United States. Um, the country is very ripe for for the uh, plant-based innovation and especially right now um, after suffering from COVID and being much more aware of the um, disadvantages of of, um, consuming meat not just from a pandemic perspective but also you know having a strong uh, resilient uh, body and a healthy immune system uh, there is a huge demand for for and it's an incredibly growing demand for for plant-based foods in the United States. 
and it's huge. It's 300 million people, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of a unified market. So, if we wanted to do it, do it here in New Zealand, that's four four five million people, and yeah. um, a lot of them are heavily invested in uh, still in animal agriculture. So that was um, a right right decision for us to do. So you mentioned that obviously it's a big audience, but there's also, and as you say, plant-based innovation is really growing there. So, and obviously lots of, you know, different alternative uh, proteins and brands popping up. Um, how do you stand apart? What's your point of difference? One of, one of the biggest differences is that we're clean label and clean label means that we don't, we don't use soy, we don't use uh, wheat, or any other grains, uh, we're completely allergen-free, and uh, we don't use additives or artificial fillers or uh, preservatives of that matter. So all our ingredients are very uh, wholesome and healthy and as, as little processed as possible. We have this saying that uh, eat whole foods, the next best thing is plant craft, because <laughs> um, we, are, we are as little processed as possible. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you touched on this um, earlier about in terms of the funding. Um, I think you mentioned the investors. How has the business been funded to date? Because by the sounds of it, you've spent, you know, you've spent money on building out your operations, hiring sales director. Um, So how's it been funded so far? Um, we had our first uh, seed investment from from a European fund called X Ventures. And they were real big believers in us. And I think uh, we were their first plant-based company in their portfolio. And we gave them huge uh, education on (laughs) on that, uh, on the whole industry. And they are now our biggest fans. And uh, after our seed uh, investment in the middle of um, uh, the COVID time last year, we, we started our next race and we wanted to raise in in uh, in the US and we wanted to bring in more investors mostly from the from the plant based investment uh, scene but our investors uh, the existing investors uh, asked us to to provide them with another opportunity and instead of uh, letting us go out in the market they came in uh, for for the second seed round and they supported us. So we really stoked. Uh, they are a great investment uh, group, um, also really helpful and uh, supporting us during this. Uh, this That's really interesting. That's, yeah, that's really a kind of a testament, isn't it, that you haven't even launched the products yet and they came in, they initially gave you the seed and then typically I guess they would wait and see, oh, okay, is it going to actually sell? They were obviously very invested in you literally, um, yes. both financially and <laughs> yeah. and uh, personally. Uh, yeah, but we are going out, we, we're going out uh, for for our next uh, biggest, uh, bigger investment round in the next couple of months. So watch this space. We are we are going, we are currently putting together our investment offer and looking at what our needs will be. Um, we are going to bring uh, all the new products that uh, we have in the pipeline. So altogether, we have about seventeen products in our pipeline, and and we need some more 
funding to bring them to, to the customers. So we currently have our pate and pepperoni and within this investment round, we'll probably have either our hot dogs or our deli slices, but we have so many other um, products uh, going like uh, sausages and uh, pastramis and ham mm-hmm. and mortadella and different sort of salamis that uh, that we want to bring to the market. So we will be raising pretty soon for that. Wow, exciting, exciting. And your th- now when you say so you you got your seed investment. I'm just curious did because I, I know often investors look for business owners to have skin in the game. So did you like put anything like of your own in or did you go straight for investment funding and what you brought to the table was more um you know your skills etc. Well, the, first of all, Chabal had the IP, which he purchased. So the IP itself is actually a tangible um, tangible material that he put into the business. And, and I did the whole uh, commercialization and business plan and the idea at the beginning, which I put into the business. But after that, we, we spent the first year completely bootstrapping. Right. So we find we actually left our work and, and our businesses and we completely bootstrapped everything, including the first phase of development. Ah, so okay. um, that's not even bootstrapping because we didn't have any income. So that's basically just funding it from our own pockets uh, for Got the on. first I think year. that's useful to know. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes yeah. there's an assumption that investors might come in straight away. And sometimes they might, but more often than not, they, they kind of, want to see yeah that you've got some skin in the game so I'm I'm glad I I asked you that now let's talk about um the marketing and advertising because this is your your area you know got 20 plus years experience in digital marketing advertising what's working best right now there's all these channels I think you and I were talking before we we came on there's all these new channels you know there's TikTok which you're now on there's Club there's all these kind of new channels as well as the existing ones and the algorithms are constantly changing what's working one month might not be working the next what in your view is working right now and what marketing strategies are you currently using that are successful so I know some of your, a lot of your viewers actually aspiring entrepreneurs and, and I just want to put it out there that you don't have to build up 20 years of experience because this space is constantly changing and my knowledge 20 years ago is so obsolete right now, I can't even use it. Like uh, don't don't feel discouraged and if you're just open and and look at the current tools, you'll be fine. But having said that, um, I think there are two important skills that that uh, that are still the most important. One is a strong brand, and when I'm saying a strong brand, it's not a color or a logo. It's uh, it's the whole brand exercise and the deep knowledge and the values and the understanding of what your brand stands for and how it communicates uh, down to the smallest. Uh, letter and how the tone of voice will be when you're interacting with your customers and what you want to make them feel and what sort of tribe you're building. I think that is still the most important. And that's the only tangible thing that never changed uh, during my my uh, career. But um, in terms of tools, and especially for uh, food uh, products, uh, Instagram is key, and it's currently, um, of course, it's very visual, and you can you can post uh, videos, 
and and you know mouth watering uh, foods uh, photos and you know you can look at look behind me <laughs> I have my little studio here and uh, we do all these photo shoots all the time and it's uh, amazing fun we put love into it and and it really sells but there's something new that I've just recently uh, heard in a in a amazing conference uh, called Bread and Jam in the UK uh, they had a panel up there with buyers, uh, Sainsbury's and Asda's and all of those guys. And they were telling us that actually, because there are no expos right now where they can go and find new products, they are actually looking at Instagram as their main uh, source for new products. Uh And so they are actually going down rabbit holes, digging down, trying to look for uh, new uh, new brands that are out there and they mentioned that um, they really like uh, very specific hashtags so that if you put put out London vegans then they will they'll know that this is something that is available in in their area mm-hmm. also make sure that you feature your brand or your uh, product package on your on your uh, Instagram photo. Otherwise, it would just look like a, uh, a a recipe that they can easily go past. So these are some little hints that, that might be helpful. And of course, we, we're experimenting with, um, with TikTok. It's really new for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm in that age when I'm looking at it and I'm just raising my eyebrows. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm not sure what, guys, why are you looking at people eating food? But I'm sure it's very entertaining. Um, but uh, because we are experimenting, we actually did something brave and new and we actually hired an 18 year old girl we gave her a bunch of product and we told her to to go and play with it and and we gave her full um full freedom in terms of creativity and product use and she's she's just having a blast on tiktok uh currently so we'll see where that takes us Wow. I love that you're experimenting. Like you say, you know, it, it, there are certain things that, that can get obsolete, the tools, but the, I loved what you said about the 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 basic parts of it, like the brand voice, the market, you know, all of that. It's, it's a bit like storytelling. You know, my background's journalism. I think storytelling is not going to go away. It's like people want to know that. So, And those were some really helpful tips. I think that's really helpful to know that buyers, because you wouldn't typically think of buyers poking around on Instagram you know you think of them maybe they'll be on LinkedIn and and probably they are as well to connect with people but to actually look for the products that's really interesting and especially a little tip about the hashtag so thank you for that Carti. Now on terminology I noticed on the front of like on your packaging you're very front and center I mean obviously the company's called Plantcraft but on, you're quite front and center using the term plant-based um, as opposed to say vegan and I know and obviously there's no right and wrong in any of this I just get I like to ask people their choice of you know why they choose a particular word or not so tell us a little bit about your choice of the word plant-based and particularly to have it front and center of the packaging rather than just maybe in small letters on the back so just talk us through that a little bit. yeah it's um yeah it's actually not as difficult or complex as it seems the 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 main reason is that in the united states the the expression plant-based is much more widespread And in the UK, for example, uh, vegan is much more widespread. Mm -hmm. And if we were we launching in the, in the, in the UK, we probably would have used 
vegan. Um, and that's that's as simple as that. On the other hand, we're also really, really focusing on flexitarians. So our primary buyers are not uh, not the vegans or vegetarians. We think they are already on the, in the right spot. Um, we are trying to help uh, the the, meat, the current meat eaters to make the right choice easier, um, tastier, and affordable. So that's that's really where we are. That's a really good, I love that answer. And I love that answer because it really shows that uh, you can't take for granted what will work in one country or area will work in another. So I love that you're like, yeah, okay, this is why we've we've strategically used plant-based for the US, but yeah, for the UK, we might use vegan. And I, I think that's really important because it's not a one size fits all. There's different cultures, receptivity and all of those things. So I, I love that. So final couple of questions, Kati, what would you say have been maybe one or two of the key lessons you've learned so far from particularly I guess from transitioning you know from the services based to the product based businesses um what are some of the a couple of the key lessons you've learned either personally professionally or both um one I already mentioned is patience that's that's really good um I think the most important thing for me was that when you're actually mission driven you're, you have much more energy, you have much more, even when everything seems so dire and, and everything seems so hard, if you are not just doing it for the money or fame or whatever, but you actually have something that, that an underlying drive that you're thinking of the animals, the planet, uh, there is so much more energy that you can gather and dig deep and keep going. I don't think that some of the hurdles I had to, uh, go through as an entrepreneur, I, I don't think that I would have been able to do it without the fuel of, of the mission that is actually pushing me forward. So that's, uh, that's really important. And then the other is that um, emotional resilience is very important mm. in, in, in that transition because you always think that you, you're prepared for everything, but you actually aren't. And, you know, when you're an explorer and going into a new, new, new product, like there is no uh, worldwide deli meat company that I could learn from. So I just have to, we have to figure it out for ourselves. And, you know, life is throwing all sort of curveballs and we just need to be resilient and keep going. And that's, that's another learning for me. Definitely. I know when I um, wrote my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, I asked when I interviewed uh, more than 60 vegan entrepreneurs from across the globe and I asked them what qualities you needed to, and resilience was the number one that they they quoted. So that makes a lot of sense. So just finally, I know you've touched on this a little bit, but kind of your plans, vision for the future. So obviously you're about to launch into the US um, in April. Um, what What's the plans for the future or anything else you'd like yeah. to share? We want to be. We want to grow real big in the United States, and once that business is established and and strong and running on itself, then we want to start uh, building out the other regions pretty soon. So the uh, European uh, branch will follow very closely after the um, American one, and then ultimately the the goal is to to have Minecraft available around the world and hopefully with with that big spread we can bring the prices down as much as possible and have it a as a very uh, easily accessible uh, comfortable convenient and and affordable product that can pull out as many animal based products off the shelf as possible 
Brilliant. That's I love that. <laughs> so if you want, if people want to find out more, your website is plantcraft.com and they can also find you on social there. Well, I'm personally looking forward to when it eventually comes to my neck of the woods so I can taste it because it sounds wonderful. I love the fact that it's the clean as well. It's interesting that the clean label as well, like the healthy side of things, not that everything has to be healthy. People want their treats, but I, I like the fact that you've kind of, you know, really found quite a, a unique um, selling point in that it's a food that people like with the taste and you know, it's also happens to be, um, you know, pretty healthy, which is great. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kati. If you just hang on when we finish the broadcast, I will um, briefly chat with you afterwards. But thank you okay. so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I think you've shared some really great tips and um, excited about your future with Plantcraft. Thank you for having me. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.